Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We are getting you ready for your tailgate, either tomorrow or on Sunday. Maybe both, if you're lucky, if your team's playing and you're within drivable distance for both. Lucky you. Football weekend is back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Coming up, we've got uh, plenty to discuss on tomorrow's big games across the college football slate. Starts with BYU and, and Oregon as our fifth best game. We'll work our way down to the SEC. Crazy about that one. Oregon's favored. Despite what we've seen from Oregon against Georgia and what we've seen from BYU with impressive wins to start the season. More on that coming up as we get you ready for kickoff. The uh, The big injury headlines, I think, today are in Indianapolis, uh, which, by the way, Dan Dockage waited about 30 minutes after the Colts put this out, and then he said, can confirm, and then tweeted out this news. So this is according to Dan Dockage. <laughs> Don't at me. <laughs> I, I, love, uh, I love that I game that he plays. Michael Pittman and DeForest Buckner both questionable. For Sunday's game against Jacksonville, Shaq Leonard and Alec Pierce are out. Um, Pierce is dealing with some concussion issues. He was worked in the offense quite a bit last week, and now he's out in concussion protocol. Here's the Justin Herbert news that just uh, oh, yeah? came out. Brandon Staley says he has a fracture to his rib cartilage, and that's good news as opposed to having a fracture of the bone. So... Yeah, I always wonder with things like that, though. Uh, we need we need pro football doc on to tell us about this. When it's injuries like that, are they lingering? You know, annoyances that can affect your play or your range of motion, as opposed to, you know, sometimes I remember uh, injuring my ankle growing up, and the doctor saying, you know, if your ankle's broken, it's actually better than being severely sprained. It'll heal quicker, yeah. and we know how to handle it if it's broken. Sprains can linger. I don't think this is the case if Brandon Staley's saying that, but you wonder if a rib cartilage injury, how much of a pest that can be for the rest of the season, as opposed to just a one rib being broken. Well, I think broken ribs. Broken ribs seems pretty like severe. A, I think it's a different element. I get what he said. You guys, but I'm saying not trying to compare ankle. the two. Yeah. But I'm saying how bad really is. You can play with it, but how much can it keep creeping back? Similar to you know Matthew Stafford's elbow. Is this going to be an issue moving forward that just doesn't ever really go away? You guys ready for a, a matchup to watch this weekend one-on-one? It is Jamar Chase against Trayvon Diggs. In college, Chase against Diggs in college. Six receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Quote from the Bengals locker room today from Jamar Chase on Trayvon Diggs. He's not too much on technique sound. He's a little hit or miss. This is the dude who had 11 interceptions as a rookie last year against one of the top receivers in the NFL this weekend. I like it. Speak your truth. I like that he got specific about his game. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just a... Technique. 
yeah, you know, I'm I'm really fast compared to him or just some sort of standard trash talk. He's talking about the dude's technique. <laughs> it's not always technique sound. That's That hits harder coming from Jamar Chase, I feel like. That's excellent trash talk. Paul, you like uh, the Bengals, though, on the road by double digits, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a 17-week season now, um, but... You know, I, I I still believe, like, even in week two, you get those equilibrium recovery games. And uh, I, I I think I'm high on the Bengals. So I, I, I see a recovery from the Bengals. And the Bengals have won plenty of games where they get sacked a lot, where Burrow got sacked a lot, because Burrow gets sacked a lot. 0-2 oh, traditionally in the NFL has been the kiss of death. death there are, of course, 15 teams that are sitting at 0-1 right now going into the weekend. Uh and that, that's maybe, 15, not 16, because of the tie. Right, yes. Uh, the, um, maybe this skews a bit moving forward as we get to the extra playoff spot that has worked its way in. But teams that start 0-2, of the 265 teams that has, have started 0-2 since 1990, only 30 of them have made the playoffs. 265. 30 of 265 of the teams that start 0-2. That's 11.3% make the playoffs of those 265 only three of them went on to win the super bowl the cowboys did it in 93 the patriots did it in 2001 and the giants did it in 2007 so an zero and two start for teams that have very high expectations you're done based on the the numbers here teams that start one and one uh, 500 after week two 41 percent nearly 42 percent of those teams ended up making the playoffs so you jump from 11 percent to 43 percent by winning week two after starting 0 and 1 and if you start 2 and 0 262 teams have done that since 1990 63 percent of those teams made the playoffs and it also produced 20 of the past 32 super bowl champions 20 of the past 32 super bowl champions started the season 2 and 0 that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Like, like you said, we don't know what the 17th game is going to do to that. But listen, we've talked about this time and time again. If, if you start in a hole, you have to expend so much energy to get out of that hole that it has a, a ripple effect through your in, entire season. You know, some of those teams that make it out no of that hole room. would argue that, you know, it toughens them and battle tests yeah. them and all of that. That's fine. You want to expend as little of that as possible so you have it for later. And later being the end of December, if you're, if you're in a fight for, for playoff positioning, which you're inevitably going to be, very yeah. few teams coast to it. And then come playoff time. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, statistically, it's the kiss of death. I mean, you just you just rolled through the, the stats on it. It's possible, but it's not likely. It's but it's also you know it's it's uh, it sounds weird to say, but it's it's oddly swayed towards bad teams, right? Like you start zero and two typically because you're bad. Now, if I want to start with, let's look at teams that were picked to win their division or made the playoffs the year before that start zero and two the next year. What's their percentage? It's probably going to tick up. A little bit. You know, if it's a surprising 0-2 start or someone you expect better things out of, regardless, if you were picked to be good or bad, starting 0-2 is never a good thing for you. Titans are facing that Monday night in Buffalo. Yep. I I think, um, you know, Titans fans and and 
some of us have been trained to expect a, a big rebound because they've done it so often. I, I'm just not feeling it about this team against that team at that venue. And sure, they might win it. I, I don't predict, generally speaking, and I'm not, I do once in a while have a strong feeling. I'm not going that far. I don't have that strong a feeling. But, I mean, uh, this is maybe as tall an order as they faced in, in one of these. And now they've got some injury stuff. Um, you know, uh, Nate Davis didn't practice today. They're starting right guard. They've got an inexperienced left guard. So They've got let, a rookie right tackle. Let's pause there. So Nate Davis did not practice. Raidens is his backup, right? Raidens is technically his backup, and he – uh, let's see. Let me get my glasses on here. Raidens has a neck issue. He's been limited two days in a row. Nate Davis um, has a knee, so he did not practice. I presume he hurt that knee yesterday. Yesterday. So then Raidens is limited two days in a row with a neck. Then Jamarco Jones, who has an elbow, was limited on Thursday and did not practice on Friday. So there are three guard possibilities you get down to Corey Levin who's a center who can also play guard so you could be talking four deep at guard I, I would presume that Raidens would be okay to give it a go but with a neck injury you know how long do you last yeah. could be a little well, bit of a question what, what did Raidens not, do to injure his neck he played six snaps I think <laughs> on special teams I get, what did he do like okay it's just oh, it's laughable I mean, you gotta look up when you block, <laughs> you look forward. Look at your target. See, I think a lot of people will hear that injury to Nate Davis and think about Tannehill. I think about Henry. They've got to get him going. It's it's Henry or bust. And they probably right have to, now. you know, do some running up the middle also because the edges. You know, they're going to have to run everywhere. They're not going to find a, a one lane. I don't think that they're going to be able to abuse with consistency here. So, I mean, I, I think Nate Davis has a big bearing on on everything. Traditionally, uh, Titans play up to their opponent and win games like this. I mentioned Vrabel's 19-9 and as the underdog um, coming off a loss. He's very, very good in these settings. Can they pull it off again? To me, the only remedy to what they're doing is Derrick Henry needs to be Derrick Henry of 2020. And it could be, also, he could be the Derrick Henry of week two to week six of last year. That's also fair. Uh, he was on he was on pace for over 1900 yards rushing prior to kickoff of the Indianapolis game last year where he got hurt where he continued to play. You know, and I listed those offensive line injuries. I didn't mention that Taylor Lewan's on the injury report with a knee. He was limited yesterday, full today, but he's probably going in less than uh, ideal with uh, I pr- I would presume the knee is what uh, forced him to run off the field during the game into the tent briefly when he was replaced by uh, Dennis Daly. So th- this is why um, this is why I brought up we we did the overreaction segment earlier this week where I said I'm not going here yet on the segment, but I feel like one of the two teams is in trouble: Titans or Packers. Both teams could end up zero and zero and two after this week, and it would be reverse order. Where the Vikings, I think, are a pretty good team. Right, they're not the Buffalo yeah, level. Far more likely, but the you Titans play a will be better opponent, and then you lose to an opponent you should win against. The Titans did that in Week One. In this case, the Packers would be doing that in Week Two, and it's just a vibe that history tells us there will be at least four new playoff teams that didn't make it the year prior that get in this year. And if you're starting to look around, 
Well, there are a lot of question marks in Tennessee, and the receiving options without Devontae Adams are not that great, at least initially, for Green Bay. It's going to take some time. How long can it go before they've got to figure it out? Before you, well, let's, the let, hole is too too deep to dig out of. Let's go into that how, not if you lose, but how you lose department, Hutton. If the Titans look bad up in Buffalo, and Buffalo makes them look like, quite frankly, they made the defending champs, the Rams look in Week One in this game. Yeah, it's very easy to put the Titans out of the playoffs and say this is one of the teams that's moving out, even as the Paul, number one seed from the year before. I, I think it, it's more of a vibe of. Do I? It, it, we come in here on Tuesday morning after Monday Night Football. They're zero and two. I still believe they're a playoff team because of the AFC South. But I think it's more of a grind to just get the seventh spot, right? Instead of, and it depends on what Indy does too. But a grind to get the seventh spot instead of, oh, this team is division worthy. Yeah, well, and also when we're talking here, I, I like your comparison, Titans and Packers. Um, who do we think's better, Minnesota or Indianapolis, Minnesota. in terms of of challenging you? Right, the Titans still have I think they're pretty even. A, a, I, I think Minnesota, but it's off a very small sample size. But Indianapolis has something wrong with them that they have to figure out. Uh, and uh, you talked about um, the Arizona broadcaster saying that this was Week 19 mm-hmm. for them. I think maybe it's Week 19 for Indianapolis too. And those are two teams, I'll, I'll draw a different comparison, yeah, that good. need to do something to get beyond. I'm not saying they're going to hang over from last year, but whatever the problem was last year, even with the change at quarterback, clearly didn't get fixed in week one. And, uh, and now they're going to the scene of the crime. They need a huge exorcism in Jacksonville, uh, the Colts. And if they get an exorcism in Jacksonville and then the Titans go and lose in Buffalo the next night, well, if we think we've heard a lot about the Colts being uh, better than the Titans nationally, if those two things happen in back-to-back days, Titans are going to be really sick. Well, we will dive headfirst into the Monday night matchups. There are two games this week, Eagles-Vikings and then Titans and, and Bills. And it's actually reversed. Titans-Bills kick off at 6.15 Central. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and state it now. Like To me, it is all in with Henry. You've got to ride that until you figure out whatever's going on in the passing game. And the passing game was good statistically, but it, to me, the, the stats don't match what we saw Sunday, what we witnessed in terms of the, the, the most yards, uh, air yards or yards after catch or whatever they want to put out there through pro football focus. I mean, those numbers are the numbers, but I, don't, I didn't see that dominance. And because of that, I need to see the dominance in the backfield if the Titans are going to pull the upset on the road in Buffalo. And you could argue moving forward. they got to stop the run. And Josh Allen um, is a big part of that run. Um, they could beat him up a little bit, you know, and yeah. wear, wear him down as the game goes on. Can, can they do that? Uh, they brought in Tech McKinley, former Falcons pass rusher. Onto the practice squad, um, you know, looking for depth and help there. Harold Landry was really missed in, in that opener. And the thing people tend to forget because we're obsessed with, with stats, you know, and he's a, a double-digit sack guy. So Harold Landry, first and foremost, is a pass rusher. He's pretty damn good against the run. And well, he plays they, 90% of the snaps. Yeah, so you, you, know? better, you have to be good at both if you're out there that much. And, and they didn't replace him well against the run. And some of the time... I mean, it might have only been five, six snaps, but in that red zone scenario at the end of the game, Dylan Cole was on the field. Dylan yeah. Cole 
is a special teamer at best. That that's a problem. So if Tack McKinley can can be on the on the field instead of somebody like Dylan Cole, even though they're not the same position, uh, Dylan Cole was playing like he was a defensive. He was up on the lineman. line, especially the two point conversion. We saw him. He's the guy that grabbed the face mask of Saquon Barkley. Should have held so, on. How was there not a flag on that play? Uh, Jerome Bolger. They well they, yeah. they scored. I mean they got the two point conversion. He, but he grabbed the face mask in the backfield. No flag. Jerome. No flag. Send it in, Jerome. Yeah. Unbelievable. Bad, bad crew. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, we get you ready for the college football weekend, going through the top matchups as we prepare for kickoff tomorrow. That's all next on Outkick360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Your week two injury reports are out. Alvin Kamara is questionable. And Julio Jones, guys, game time decision. That's the Julio Jones that we came to expect. And for the sake of Titans fans, I'm, I'm pleased that he's arrived. I'm not pleased he's injured. But, I mean, when your team gets... He's still going to get paid. It's fine. Yeah. When your team He's gets an injured Trump. Julio Jones, I think I mean, the next team deserves an injured Julio Jones. Kenneth Walker, by the way, scheduled to make his debut this week. Uh, he is off the injury report in Seattle. I'll take uh, Rashad Penny, please. Removed from the injury report as they take on San Francisco. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Time for our look at the top college football matchups and Gentlemen, we start with BYU at Oregon. I was surprised by this. Oregon's favored by more than a field goal. Three and a half at home against BYU. Chad, BYU, they have two solid wins. Meanwhile, we have seen Oregon boat raced. Boat raced against Georgia. So I recently watched Eli's Places on uh, ESPN Plus that that focused on BYU and uh, quarterback U at BYU. And uh, Hutton, we've been to Provo, Utah. Beautiful. And that mountain that's got the big Y on it. Yes. That's actually called Y Mountain, and you can hike up there. Great name. And it's take w photos. Mountain. Clever. <laughs> w Mountain. Shockingly, they went with the Brigham part of it. It's B Mountain, <laughs> even though it's not there. But you can go up there and take great vistas. 
Go up there, take pictures. Um, that's an aside about Provo because <laughs> this game's in Eugene. I like BYU. I, I like what I saw. They had to get creative, I thought, against Baylor. And Dave Aranda's got a really good defense to move the ball. But they've got a good, efficient passing game. They're running the ball better than BYU's run the ball in recent years. Oregon, even against Eastern Washington in a tune-up game after their blowout loss to Georgia, defense was not stellar in that game. They have 14, so the score looks fine in the end, but not great defensively. Uh, Oregon, though, a home favorite. I like BYU in this game. I think it's going to be a really good one. I think it's a, a 2.30 central time yep. kick on Fox on, on Saturday, so looking forward to it. But I like I like the Cougs in this game. I don't see how you could back Oregon against a highly rated team until it really shows you something. Well, in terms of solid footing, after how just how incredibly poor it was against one of the best teams. In the I, I admit when I'm wrong. I, I love Bo Nix last preseason going into Auburn, and because Bo Nix is the quarterback right now at Oregon, that's why I'm picking BYU. Like. So, BYU, better football team overall. We've seen that through two weeks. They also, they held Baylor to 152 rushing yards on 52 carries last week. Yeah. Like, there, to me, I don't, I don't see a remedy for Oregon's offense to put up enough points to beat them at home. This is the classic, because there's talent at Oregon. Mario Cristobal recruited well, brought in talent. This, to me, is the classic sort of, Talent, power five level, you know, talent at Oregon versus program, established, uh, veteran guys. This is a program win for BYU. I just think they're better right now. And I, I may be completely shocked when I turn on the TV and watch Oregon Saturday afternoon based on what we saw against Georgia, but I really like what BYU has done so far. All right, see if you guys follow me here. So also, kicking off at the same time is Penn State and Auburn. And... We have, uh, I'll revert back to what we had uh, a discussion of earlier uh, about Mississippi State and LSU, where if LSU wins, okay, great sign for LSU, but Mississippi State wasn't in the upper echelon, right? The number two team in the West. If Mississippi State wins, to me, I feel, I feel like the Bulldogs should win this game against LSU, and we're now looking ahead to how good are they? So... This matchup, Penn State and Auburn. Auburn should not win this game based on the expectations of James Franklin and Penn State and what we have seen Penn State already do this season against Purdue. Granted, not their best performance. You could argue not Purdue's best performance. They struggled to run the football. They won the game. Tight game right out of the gate. Battle-tested. Auburn, meanwhile, there's really not much to judge them on with their first two opponents. Point being, if Auburn wins this game, I think we show up next week and there's a lot of questions about James Franklin and whether or not the majority of the media has been honest with the job he's doing there. If they win, they're supposed to win this game on the road, which, yes. which is weird. This is the first Big Ten opponent to play Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium. That, that's amazing to me in the long history of Auburn that there's not been one single Big Ten visitor. So... This is a weird game in that I feel like it could come, it could come down to a backup quarterback. T.J. Finley's in trouble at Auburn. Robbie Ashford is bringing, breathing down his neck. He's going to get some run in this game. Sean Clifford, I feel like there's this 
five-star safety net underneath him with guys like Drew Aller at, at Penn State, who's getting in the game now too. His completion percentage is not good. Clifford, no. veteran guy, six, sixth year player. So you you would he completed a, a just, you would just give, over fifty I mean, percent yeah, week one. I would give the QB edge to Penn State in this game, but I feel like but they're going to be quick with the hook in this game also mm-hmm. uh, against Auburn. I think Auburn's plan is already to go with Ashford in this game at some point. Um, you could have a backup quarterback on either side deciding the fate of this game. And I'm completely with you. This is a James Franklin game. If James Franklin, if the last two seasons were truly an, an-, an anomaly where they got started, I think they're 5 or 6-0 and a year ago when they went to Iowa City and lost to Iowa five mid- and midway through the season. Yeah. And then it sort of fell apart late in the year where they had a very average season that ended with them losing in a bowl game, I think, to Arkansas. But if Penn State is back on track, you go to Auburn and beat a program that is reeling under under Brian Harson. Here's the thing. Auburn has one of the worst passing offenses in the nation among Division I schools right now, and they've not really played anyone. Penn State, meanwhile, has one of the worst pass defenses in the nation, and they've played Purdue. But if you just look at the numbers, Penn State's ranked 100th in pass defense, and Auburn is... 103 nationally in passing offense. To me, it just comes down to which quarterback is more consistent, doesn't turn the football over, but is actually accurate in this game. Because, Chad, you hit on it. Um, Clifford, in the game against Purdue, completed just over 50% of his passes. I mean, it was was awful. Well, and and Tank Bigsby is such a big part of the Auburn offense. It has sort of an old-school Big Ten matchup feel to it with these two teams right now. it does. Because the the entire focus of the Penn State defense is stop Bigsby. You know, slow down the run game and take your chances against the pass. It could look like an old school Big Ten game on, on Saturday when these two teams play. I give the slight edge to Penn State. I, I I'll say it again though. Me too. This this game feels way more important to Penn State than Auburn. But I, because of that, that's why I'm heavy Penn State on this. I, I'm I'm heavy Penn State. I just don't. Uh, I don't have faith in Auburn based on anything. Kind of like I don't – I mean, there's more evidence this, for Oregon to not have any faith. This but. was a fun game, though, last year. It not You could say it was sloppy at times. It was still – it was a classic college football, SEC Big Ten game on the road at Penn State. Now we get it back at, at Jordan-Hare, which is not an easy place to play. And it's what we talked about early on where you guys scoffed at this. They could – Auburn could be one of these weird, unbeaten teams in week six if you start looking at their schedule. Because it's not daunting until we get to the middle of October. Yeah, their and, next game's against Missouri, right? They, that's, yes. their, that's their conference yeah, and they game. And then, what, Mississippi State maybe? or But somewhat. Their first five games are at home. This is the third game, of course, and, and here we go. And they're 2 I still scoff because I think they lose this one. I do too. Also, now they, they just came off a, I think, 27-14 to 14 win over San Jose State. <laughs> Where they were challenged a bit, so yep. not great. Um, but I, I yeah, nothing Penn, to lose here. Here's the deal: Penn State is better and should win this game, based on personnel, based on coaching situation. We'll see if they do it. All right, Mississippi State and LSU. Um, we're we're headed to Death Valley here, where Mississippi State is the road favorite. At some point in this game, this will be under the lights. At LSU, 
And Mississippi State has been quietly taking care of business. We haven't heard much about them so far because they have continued to do exactly what they should do against the opponents they're facing. Even when they're on the road at Arizona at 10 o'clock central kickoff, they are running the, the type of offense that you would expect from Mike Leach and a veteran quarterback going into a, a, a year three together. This on the road is the first check mark where we start to judge where the Bulldogs are versus what we expected them to be preseason. It's kind of weird, but I just feel like Brian Kelly's not going to lose to Mike Leach. Uh, I don't even have the history of those two. I don't know if they've ever faced off before, but it seems like a matchup at home in his first big home game in Baton Rouge that Brian Kelly finds a way to win, even with Jaden Daniels at quarterback. They're at a disadvantage. Will Rogers the better quarterback in this game. Mississippi State is the established program. They know what they are offensively under Mike Leach. Their defense is sneaky good and great against the run. But I, I, I feel like LSU is going to come up with enough to win this game at, at home against Mississippi State and get their season viewed from a different perspective now moving forward after a big win. You know, there, there are games sometimes that, like, going in, if you're honest with yourself, and I, I'm honest with myself on this one, like, I don't know how to feel about these teams right now. I need to see LSU this game. is a toss-up I right need now. to see this game to get a feel yeah. about these two teams. No, it's and a barometer so, for both, for sure. But what's what's good about these two, and I, granted, they haven't seen anything like this in the SEC in a conference matchup, which just put two conference teams together, and it's a different level. But Mississippi State has not done this against just complete nobodies. They handled Memphis. They went on the road to Arizona and won. Right. These are not great teams, but they, but they don't, lost to Memphis last year. They don't have an FCS, right? LSU just destroyed Southern, an FCS. They lost in a neutral site game, close one, crazy one, to FSU. So you could – Mississippi State's got the better resume right now with the two convincing wins. But, I mean, it, it's, it's fun to watch this because I feel like both teams have been tested in some way. Keep this LSU in mind. just lost their so, test. I, I'm I'm bullish on Mississippi State, and we've talked about. I, I think they're this year's version in the SEC of Ole Miss, and if they're going to be that, so last year they beat Vandy, Kentucky, and Auburn, as well as their best win, which was A and M, and I believe that came off of A and M's win against Bama. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I but, think you're right. So those are the four wins. If they're going to improve off of their four wins in the SEC a year ago, this is a game they've got to go win. This is that improvement marker where LSU is just a very average team. And based on what Brian Kelly's expectations are and what he's paid, this should be like the lowest level of playing LSU that we should have previewing Mississippi State and the Tigers. So in that, in that mindset and that framework, I'm thinking, I think we come back in next week and Mississippi State's a part of the national conversation of buzz and attention based on what they do under the lights Saturday night. Well, so every week in the SEC early, I think that we're getting – we know Alabama and Georgia, even though Alabama got a scare in Austin this past weekend. Every week it's this constant game to see who we're predicting to be the second-best team in their respective division. This week's winner is Kentucky. 
after they went to Florida right. and yeah, won, exactly. right? Exactly. But hey, Tennessee's in the mix too because they wanted a top 20 team and they didn't even have their best offensively and the defense stepped up against a backup quarterback but found a way to win. Mississippi State's going to be that trendy team this week if they go on the road and beat LSU. I don't think there's any doubt about it. There are others I'll receiving say this votes also. right now, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, I yes. mean, front runner for me, from what I've seen, so it's absolutely Arkansas. But we Arkansas won't. should have blown out South Carolina and let them come back late. But Arkansas's playing. And they beat Cincinnati. Who knows who. I know, I know what you're but saying. but We won't be talking about them next week. But hear but me I, out. Yeah, I agree. Even with a Mississippi State win at LSU, I'm still more impressed with Arkansas so far. With their first two weeks. But Mississippi State with a win at LSU, we're talking about them more going into the end of September, early October, than Texas A&M, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss. Like, it puts them in a different shelf than where they were, which is fifth, I believe, in the West preseason with a veteran quarterback. Yeah, they, will, If it's not Mississippi State, Will Rogers is the talk of next week. Well, I think they were always um, the team that you would look at the West and say, this is how good the West is. Mississippi State is fifth. <laughs> And that they they're yeah, very you good. You could go two through they six. They could be first or yeah. second in a lot of you know FBS yeah. Power Five level divisions. By the way, a year ago because I was trying to it was trying to jog my memory, Mississippi State beat A and M the week before A and M beat Alabama. So if you remember, they were fresh off a loss to Mississippi State, which was part of the oh Alabama's going to come in here and kill them. Okay. So they won twenty six twenty two at. Yeah, at A&M, and that was October 2nd. October 9th was the A&M went over Bama. Just to get the no, that's good. chronology yes. correct on the, the season last year, that's how that went down. Um, finally, guys, Miami on the road at Texas A&M. We had Billy Lucci on yesterday, and he joined us prior to the, the season kickoff where we discussed this stretch run where they're going to A&M plays Miami, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and maybe Mississippi State next week. Um, those three pack before they get to Alabama. And the whole premise of the conversation was under the idea that A&M was 2-0. They're not. They lose to Appalachian State. And so as you start to look at this little stretch here before they get to Bama and really before they get to South Carolina, those three pack of teams after Miami from the ACC, we could either see a free fall or we see a, an A&M team that's well-coached and that doesn't turn the football over and doesn't allow the opposing offense these 13, 14, 15-play drives, which App, App State did, and you leave with the home field advantage and with a win over a solid Miami team and a potential first-round quarterback in Van Dyke. I'm really intrigued from the Miami, Miami perspective. I don't know much about the Hurricanes this year other than the hype around their quarterback and running back. I know where the expectations are for A&M, and we may see a passing of the guard in, in a weird way where I think Miami comes in and plays very well based on the talent they have and the expectations they have. And A&M, off of last week's loss and the comments we've heard from the locker room, I'm not expecting much from the Aggies in this, even though they're favored at home against the ACC opponent. I, I'm not either. I'm eager to see Van Dyke, learn more about Van Dyke. I know what I need to know about the A&M quarterback, at least the one that they've been putting on but the field. I don't field. think we'll see him, though. Yeah. I think we'll see Max Johnson. And that's kind of the well, – even though Vegas knows that, they have A&M favored by five. Are we excited about Max Johnson? Well, I, 
I'm excited about him knowing what we've seen from Haynes King. Yeah, right. right. As an alternative to Max King. But I'm much more excited based on what I've heard about Van Dyke. Um, and I, I'm just I'm, – I'm done with the A&M after hearing so much. I think we – well, I'm not done yet. This game determines that for me. You know, I, I, because of the loss to App State – do we see the buy-in, the set, the, like the all-out effort from the defensive line, getting after the QB, stopping the run? The, the, def, the defense of a, well, there's been a lot of talk about Haynes King, and, and rightfully so. The defense couldn't get off the field. They with the run. let them down last week. Yeah, they couldn't get off the field with uh, App State running it. A&M's going to win. They're going to cover in this game. I, I, because you buy into the Well, I buy into that they're, they've got enough talent. They're at home. It's going to be a charged-up atmosphere coming off the loss. 8 o'clock. Xavier Restrepo is the top receiver for Miami by a mile. He's out. Um, I love Van Dyke at quarterback for, for the Hurricanes. Henry Parrish. Keep him in mind at running back. I, but I, I think, Keep him in mind. I think there's a reason this line continues to tick up. Because it started at three and a half or four, and it's close to a touchdown now for AM. Loss of the receiver is big. I think Max Johnson is starting. Max Johnson was good last year for LSU. I think way more accomplished than Haynes King so far in his college career, based on a year and a half at LSU. I think the Aggies get it done, and they start to reclaim their season at that point. It, it's difficult for me to not look, Chad, at the drives. For Appalachian State. Let me say this plays, too. If they, 11 plays. If they 13 start, plays. If they 18 st- plays. If they start Max Johnson, and I'm just going on offense now, yep. and their offense is as putrid as it's been the first two weeks. <laughs> it's been bad. Jimbo Fisher needs to fire himself as offensive coordinator. He said it in a press conference. I will absolutely evaluate that, and it's something I've thought about. Taking away play calling duties from himself. You have to change up. If, they, if it's bad again, you've got to change it Let, up. Let's mention this though. Mario Cristobal, right? This is not Manny Diaz. No offense to Manny Diaz. Mario Cristobal gets paid the big bucks to leave Oregon and take over at Miami. This is the national stage where you can plant the flag, right? Yeah. Start the climb. And, and you have the quarterback to do it. You may not have the receiver. Your top receiver's out. I, there's something about the Hurricanes. I think they, uh, they send a statement. Because A&M, A&M, the comments in the locker room, it's not the loss. It's the comments afterwards from two of their leaders on offense and defense. And the defensive guy, Richardson, backed up what we heard uh, from, from offense where uh, Anaya Smith said, yeah, there was no buy-in during the week. You could just feel it. And, uh, and then you had Richardson say, yeah, he's right. We didn't have the buy-in that was necessary to beat Appalachian State. Yeah, that's, that's not good. It's week two. It's not week seven. Yeah, the buy-in better shouldn't be a, I mean, it should be a full buy-in, but they should be able to win with the 80% buy-in. Yeah. The, the, where they lost is by scheduling App State. Yeah. <laughs> like, if we're being honest with what they've done out of their last 10 games against the Power Five. Uh, guys, when we come back, let's give our uh, proclamations for the weekend. Some definitive feels, college or pro. That's straight ahead on OutKick 360. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. is nearly here. Outkick 360 rolls on. Pearl Jam is coming up for Paul and Chad tonight. Excited. Chad pumped? Yeah. It's my first time. Paul, have you been before? I'm not. I'm not. I'd like there to be a hat show print, but uh, that's a If there was a prop. top three list of bands I want to see live that I have not, this is one of them. So I'm pumped. Yep. That's it. I'm going home and doing a bunch of work between now and Nice. And you're already drinking. Sure. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to everyone. Cheers. Cheers to the weekend. It is the weekend. The weekend has arrived. That's right. I got a four-game parlay I'm going to give you. You ready? Absolutely. This is your proclamation? This for is, yeah, this is my proclamation. It's college. Florida giving the 24.5 to South Florida. Texas plus 10 against North Carolina State. Okay. Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Akron plus 46.5. Seems like a lot. Mississippi State minus three. Who does Akron have this week? Oh, sorry, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Uh, five bucks. Wait, 46 and a half, that's it? Yeah. It's four, it's, uh, that's you, why I'm confused. It may have gone down. It's 47 and a half when last I looked at it, but it may have gone down to oh, 48 or something. Yeah. It went up to 49 at one point, and then last I saw it was 47 and a half. Five okay. bucks on that makes you 73. And then final game is what? That's it. Uh, final game was Mississippi State minus three. By the way, that five game, bucks makes you seventy three. That Tennessee Akron game is sold out. Over a hundred thousand tickets. Yeah, you sold. told me that. That's that's shocking. I was like, I'm really? very surprised. Which by one that. didn't you like there? Uh, Akron. I think Tennessee covers up. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, you think Mixon's going to do I'm not. I'm not going to touch it. Like that, that's the way I feel about that game. I don't feel what great was the score either at way time against it. Ball State. Thirty eight nothing. Thirty five nothing. Something like that. Right. They were up. 38 nothing. I'll make you this pledge. I won't be watching that game it was, at that yeah. stage of the game. It was, In fact, it was 45 nothing after one possession in the second half. Yeah. Tennessee got the opening kickoff. Yeah, so I, I expect more of the same there. Akron, with, though, I believe picked ahead of Ball State in the MAC. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> but they are picked tough ahead race. of them. Tough race. Yeah. It's going to be It's going to be quite the race it's this also, year. It's extremely tough to prepare for Tennessee's offense if you're from – you know, the group of five. From the Rust Belt? Well, yes, if you're from the Northern Rust Belt. Northern Ohio and you're not. If you're from it's the Gray. Even, it's even more difficult. If you're from the Gray. If you're from north of Columbus. If there, if there are more than one closed-down factories in your, in your college <laughs> town, difficult. then it's even harder but, to prepare for that fast-paced offense. I, but even more so in week, you know, as you go through the progression of the college football season, if you're Ball State and you're preparing for it for a month, you know, even if you devote a portion of practice to the pace – Okay. I mean, they, they still sucked, but you get my point. I think it's extremely tough to just hit the, hit the brakes on whatever you were doing and prepare for this offense over the course of four days. Uh, I mean, it's purely a matter of Tennessee oh. calling off the dogs. Yeah. Not in any way suggesting Akron And maybe they do. 
Let me, let me throw this out just to be completely rash about it with Akron. What if they just don't prepare for it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, guys? We got a long We're season after this. Making some money. Like you're, We'll show you the film, and they're going to snap it every seven or eight seconds. But hustle. Just hustle. Run hard. Yeah, just get on the other side of the line. Either way. And be ready for the ball to be snapped. And next week we've got... Either way, I would say that same result happens, right? The the amazing thing to me about watching uh, an offense like Tennessee's that's that fast-paced is watching the linemen be over the ball, ready to snap it in position so quickly. And the receivers who are running routes deep down the field that are in a dead sprint back to the line of scrimmage after the play is run. That's and they they it's an art. I mean, Josh Heupel has to teach it, but getting the football to the the right official, right? Like how they toss it to them and get them to them quickly so they can get it spotted and ready to snap again. Here's my proclamation for the weekend. I've got two that'll go hand in hand. One, and I'm going to feel like an idiot after this game, I'm sure. Nebraska's going to be right there with Oklahoma. In fact, Huskers pull off the upside. I don't hate that pick. At home against Oklahoma. And their next head coach is at Kansas. Lance Leipold is going to Houston as an eight-and-a-half-point underdog and winning. So two things will happen. Wow. He's going to look great and be 3-0 and at Kansas, who is the worst FBS program. But they beat who last week? West Virginia in overtime. They're going to go to Houston. They're going to pull the upset. Okay. Houston's going to be really and struggling. And two things going to happen. Nebraska fans are going to hate Scott Frost even more because the team without him will have won a big game over Oklahoma – and then they're going to look down, down south in Lawrence, Kansas, and think, not bad. Pretty good program builder down there at Kansas. Also, I Houston fans are going to be miserable. Yeah, and that's a third. I don't and disagree Oklahoma with that. fans would be miserable. Um, I have no idea what to expect from Kansas this week, though, against Houston. They're On an the eight-and-a-half-point dog. They're going to get it done. Just you, just you wait. <laughs> My Jayhawks. I think yeah, when we come back on Monday, we are discussing the Colts. With a tie to the Texans and a loss to Jacksonville. Mm. That will they, be a discussion point if that happens. As they return back home and they don't have an Our easy... Our buddy Dan Dockich will definitely be talking about that. Next well, if the week, Titans lose... They will be hosting the Chiefs at 0-1-1. If That's the Titans lose to Buffalo, that would be a hell of a division race. You'll have 0-1-1 and 0-2 <laughs> and amongst the two favorites. And then the Jags... In first place at that point. Yes, they would be with a win over Indy. One and one. We will preview both Monday Night Football games coming up uh, whenever we are back on the air. Enjoy the college football and NFL weekend. We're going to recap everything on Monday starting at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. Follow us on social media at Outkick360 for the very latest throughout the weekend. If you missed portions of the show, Find the audio wherever you download your podcast. I implore you, don't block the box, but please lock your locks. See ya!